How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another conference preview episode of NAISB. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Reagan Harrell. That guy right there. Nope, not the defend two-time national champs. No, or the no, not the 2021 World Series champ. That guy, Taylor Thomas. Taylor, you and I are dealing. It's a part of this year where I just get to laugh. And I get to laugh because it is currently 70 degrees. How's life in beautiful Oklahoma? Uh, typical, typical winter day in Oklahoma. It was about 55 yesterday. Wasn't too bad. And then today we got about, oh, it looks like about four to five inches of snow right now. Nice, dude. Somewhere in the mid twenties. Um, I'd imagine the roads will be a lot worse tomorrow. Uh, we'll see though. Uh, typical, like I said, though, typical winter day. It's actually pretty warm for it snowing here, to be honest with you. It's cr- I was just never like when I grew up, I never associated Oklahoma being cold. Like it never like crossed my mind Oklahoma would be cold. I tell people this every time. I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life and I see something new with the weather every single day. Right. Well, we will talk about we're gonna talk about some teams today that have a little bit of experience with cold weather, especially uh rain. Uh, we are covering two conferences out west. We are uh, Carlos Lewis and Clark. We are finally making our Western expedition. We're covering the GSAC and the Cascade Conference. GSAC, a solid conference. The Cascade, Taylor, is this the best conference in 2023? I, If not them, I mean, I feel like we might have already covered the other ones. I mean, when you look at the Cascade, I mean, that that's where that's where the basically – a third of the top 10 is honestly i mean and you're running into you're running into high power elite talent every single weekend up there i mean there's fun softball up in the northwest for sure i would say top to bottom you could you you could argue heart of america you could argue some conference um sooner obviously but top end talent you said it man you got we have three top 10 teams all three returning a lot of talent oh and another top 25 team Ain't too bad, uh, Allen Idaho. Yeah, no, I mean it, and honestly, I mean for me, I mean I've had, I've experienced watching, you know, the regional softball. So I didn't even really associate that part of America with uh, just the amount of elite talent. But obviously, it being so close to a hotbed like California, I mean that's it comes as no surprise. Just getting diving into detail in the entire conference. Right. And College of Idaho is actually just outside of the top 10. They finished up 13th. But I mean, still, you know, they're they're knocking on the front door. It wouldn't be surprised surprise me at all if Idaho is a top 10 team at some point or even one of the final 10 teams left. But we'll get into them. We'll get into all of that. Taylor, you want to start with the Cascade or you want to start with the Golden State Athletic? Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with Golden State first. We can save the Cascade for last. Awesome. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about Tell us all a little bit about the conference in the Golden State. Yeah. So the uh, the Golden State Conference or otherwise known as the uh, the GSAC, um, it's really kind of a top heavy conference, I would say. Um, your top two teams, obviously, are William and Jessup, who uh, won the conference last year. And then, of course, the Vanguard Vanguard Lions, as well as Hope International. Uh, those are kind of going to be the uh, the best three in the conference um, as far as talent goes. And I mean, with William Jessup, like we said, we might as well start with the defending conference champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a game away from, from Columbus last year and uh, played in that if necessary game with Oregon tech. Yep. And uh, they're going to be 
uh, right in the contention for a spot like that again. Uh, Michaela Nelson is coming back in the circle last year. Uh, she was 12 and eight. She had a two five ERA and 112 innings. And then in the, uh, in the batter's box, uh, Sam Lors, she hit three Oh five. She hit 12 homers, drove in 44 runs. Uh, that's going to be your middle of the order, uh, producer right there, uh, for William and Jessup. Uh, I think this is a team that is, I mean, consistently they are very talented and obviously continue to finish very high in this conference. I don't see, uh, I don't see that really changing too much. Maybe if not one, probably two, honestly. William just a really good softball program. Do you think there's any chance that we have some disruption at the top? I could see it. Um, we kind of talked about it uh, before we started recording here. Right. Um, I, I go immediately to Hope International um, as far as uh, taking down the two top dogs. Uh, we and you well, talked about <laughs> Me and you talked about yeah. – um, we might as well get to it, man. Yeah. Uh, this is one of – so I'd say it's probably the most underrated one-two um, pitching combination in the entire country. Um, obviously, out in California, West Coast, probably not going to get a lot of national attention uh, just with the time differences. But uh, Olivia Olivia Candelis, uh last year, she had 142 innings in the circle. She had a 2.75 ERA, only struck out 80, more of a finesse arm. Um, but you know, you know where I'm going with this. The big one oh, is uh, before you, before you do it, because you're right. Uh, she, uh, Western teams are not quite well as known as your Midwestern and your East coast teams. So I want you, everybody to guess the question you asked me on the phone earlier. I want you to ask the audience right now and then everybody pause and take your guess. So go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this might be, uh, one of the best one twos, in the country i asked it and then immediately it was like well we got a lot of good one two pitching duos in the in america we might have said this might we have said quote this might be the best one two duo probably five times yes correct correct yeah it's been wrong no and it's been fun to go and like like i was getting into those west coast teams are teams that you know i personally don't know you don't know as well a lot of people don't know as well so when you find out about them and how many strikeouts the girl you're about to talk about through lord have mercy man i mean it's been one like just finding out a lot of things about teams that you and i didn't know beforehand and now that we've done done the research getting to know everything before the season and finding little gems like that it's been a treasure so far man yeah honestly i mean we're pretty new to it but that's definitely been one of the best part the most enjoyable parts for me at least is just to find that really there's talent nationwide nationwide every corner of the u.s all corners and all corners man and uh back to hope international yeah i could definitely could definitely see them shaking up the top two there and i mean we mentioned uh but ali puente i mean you're gonna you guys are gonna have to take a breath and listen to these numbers so this is where i want everybody everybody to guess right now block in your mind if you know don't tell anybody but hey if you know how many strike if you don't know everybody guess how many strikeouts? Because I said an outlandish number. I think I'm not even gonna say I said an outlandish number, and it blew mine out by about a hundred. <laughs> yeah, um, Ali Puente. Uh, she's a junior. Uh, she was a second team in AIL American as a freshman. Uh, she had a sub one ERA as a freshman in 150 innings. Uh, she backed it up with the probably even better sophomore year. I would say 20 and nine in the circle, a 1.01 ERA. 
Taylor, that's got to be the craziest stat, right? That's got to be the craziest stat on a stat. You would think. You would think. um, (laughs) Like we mentioned, you know, uh, like we mentioned, um, Olivia Candelas, uh, 142 innings. That's pretty solid. Uh, Yeah, Puente, like I said, 29 in the circle, a 101 ERA, 215 innings, and 361 strikeouts. That is 361 in 215 innings. That is over two innings. So what you're telling me is if she takes New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off, she has a strikeout for every day of the year. Yes. What you're telling me is if she walked in a circle – and went one degree for every strikeout, she could have a circle and then 1% of one. Yes, correct. And I think the craziest part to me about those numbers is her teammate threw 142 innings. Like, she did not strike out 361 batters pitching every single game, obviously, like you would see with someone. that I haven't seen numbers like this, honestly, since, like, 2008 Division I softball when you had the – the main, the ace, the ace, like, for example, Jackie Traina at Alabama won a national championship. Right. Kaylani Ricketts at OU. I mean, Jenny Finch, the one. They have two. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah. You say one of the best one-two duos. I do push back on that a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think they're great. However, just straight up from the GSAC not being one of the quote-unquote elite conferences in the NAIA, I push back on a little bit of it being one of the top one, two duos just because we have Mobile, Freed Hardman, Southeastern, OKC, on and on. Do I think this is a top 10 duo in the NAI? That's something we could we could definitely talk about. Somewhere in that 8 to 12 range, absolutely. And, I mean, if they repeat success and get better, absolutely, then we could, uh, at the end of the year, be talking about this being one of the best pitching duos in any circle in NAI softball. Yeah, and what's crazy, again, about Puente is uh, technically she had a worse ERA than her freshman year. But that'll do it with a, about 100 more innings to to throw. So That's insane. Still not bad. I mean, <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around that. And, I mean, la- yeah. like you mentioned, it's not just against the conference. I mean, last year she faced Eastern Oregon and uh, shut them out. Seven innings, 11 strikeouts, uh, two hits, no walks. I mean, got the 3 nothing win. I mean that's a state that's a statement win right there. So she's definitely, at least on the West Coast, very well known, and now is very well known in both Florida and Oklahoma as well. Well, you know that's what we're trying to do, man. You know we're trying to grow the game. We're trying to give attention to these athletes, and undoubtedly she is one. So we look at the GSAC, and there are two or three teams that definitely stand out. Taylor, outside of those three teams, do we see another team that could uh, make a run at the GSAC, possibly make an opening round? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's going to be tough um, to get an opening round bid out of this conference if you're not one to top or winning the conference pretty much. So as far as uh, William Jespin Vanguard go, um, those, like we said, probably going to be one, two. You can put it in any order. Um, but teams like Ottawa of Arizona, Menlo, I mean, like I keep I just keep going back to Hope International. If you have the pitching and you can get hot at the right time, like we said, it's all about playing well at the right time. If you can get hot at the right time, you can definitely see a team grab one of those opening round bids, uh, win in a conference championship game against maybe a William Jessup or a Vanguard. And then you could see two teams getting in. One of those would be in the at-large, obviously. 
Yeah, that's what you gotta love about diamond sports so much because when you look at almost all of the other sports, you don't get that opportunity. And when you do, it's very rare. It seems like with basketball, a lot more. It's one or it's with a one or two seed, especially in the NAI. You don't see a ton of upsets. But dude, baseball, softball, and the NAI, you just gotta be top top six in your conference. Be top six in your conference. Give yourself a fighting chance, and then play the cards however they lie. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned it. It's once tournament time comes around, we've seen some crazier things happen in the world of baseball. So I can only, <laughs> I mean, even, even softball, I mean, we can go back uh, to 2021 in division one, James Madison. I mean, they were, they went into the women's college world series with one of the best stories quite literally ever in the game of softball and Odyssey Alexander. And they took down the giant OU in round one. I mean, that's, that, that's all about playing well at the right time, man. And they did it on the national stage. And obviously, it's it's definitely going to happen one or two times where we didn't see it in the NAI this year. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about in the in the uh, GSAC about what we think are the best arm, best couple of arms there. What about bats-wise? Who do you think is the best bats to come out of the great state of California this year and Arizona? But, you know, Like we said, a lot of talent, a lot of talent out west, but – as far as offense goes, I mean, you got to talk about Vanguard, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, last the returning, I believe, three or four hitters last year hitting over 350. Uh, Nani Chavez, she hit 377, 21 RBI, she stole 11 bags, more of that leadoff role. Then you go to Bianca Morales, she hit 378 with seven homers, drove in 40, as well as Kaylee Williams, 351 with 40 RBIs. It's an offensive powerhouse over there at Vanguard. And I also kind of see them not transitioning more of a to an offensive team. I think they're definitely a well-rounded team. Um, but we mentioned, I mean, their head coach under a new head coach this year, their uh, previous head coach, now the pitching coach at uh, Cal Berkeley. So obviously, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of credibility. And I mean, as far as offense goes, Vanguard, Vanguard's definitely the best offense in the conference, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Um, all right, so we talked about Vanguard's pitching, talked about Jessup just being a great program in general, and then we, we talked about the, the elite pitching in the conference as well. Taylor, what team wins this conference, man, and why do they do it, or how do they do it? You know, it's going to be really hard. I mean, once conference tournament comes around, to beat someone like an Ali Puente or Michaela Nelson or anyone like that, even Brianna Williams from Vanguard as well, I just think, like to me, looking at this Vanguard team, there's so much returning production, like so much. William and Jessup's obviously going to be good and always will be good, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Vanguard's just a little bit deeper, man. I think behind the arms of Williams and the bats of Chavez and Morales, I think they get it done this year. I think they win the conference and take that title from William Jessup. It's going to be a fun conference, man. It's going to be one of those conferences, too, when you get down to conference tournament time. You know, you look at the at a lot of tournaments, just like, okay, if we win it, it's great, but we know we're in the opening round. This is a conference where it's likely you're only get going to get one team out. So winning that conference tournament is your main way of getting out. We could we could absolutely see two teams come out of the GSAC and be one of the last 40. But man, I would not, I wouldn't put a whole a whole lot of stake on that. I'd be like, hey, we need to win this conference, need to win the conference tournament, then we got to get rocking and rolling, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, if you don't have those those quality wins and uh, non-conference play, it's going to be hard to make a case if you don't win that conference tournament and get that automatic bid. 
Don't be surprised, though. I'm telling you, Hope International, with those two pitchers, man, they could make some noise. They could really uh, upset a lot of teams in the conference tournament. But for me, uh, it's got to be Vanguard winning the GSAC this year in 2023. I think I agree with you. I do think Vanguard w- will win the conference. But just something tells me Hope International with that pitching in a tournament, it's tough. And I, this is this is a tough one. I think I might lean Hope Hope International. Just one to be different from you. And two, I mean that pitch. The pitching is insane. If they can get a step up from their number two starter this year, they're a team that I would not want to face. And forget a conference tournament. I would not want to face this team in the opening round. No, absolutely. If I don't have another uh, girl out there that that's striking out 10, 10 players a game, I don't know, man. And it, it, it's going to be tough. And I think Hope Internationals uh, that they, they could they could absolutely make it. They could be like Weber International was. You know, they could absolutely uh, make a surprise run, win the conference, win their regional, and end up in Columbus. I'm just ready to see Puente's end of season numbers. Honestly, I want to see if she can improve on last year i don't know how that's possible but if it's anyone it's going to be her well i'm just ready i, I gotta see her because i mean obviously i've never seen her in action before but i gotta see her because she had 60 walks too uh mm-hmm. that's not great but it's not just a, a red flag a, all over the place but what it really tells me on only 100 didn't say she had what 100 101 hits against her mm-hmm. not a lot of contact they're not getting a lot of contact it looks like so i really want to see what it is i mean it, and another thing, well, now this could be something that throws uh, throws a, th- throws a problem into my take with Hope International. If the, that walk number increases because teams are just like, well, if stuff's just that nasty, it's different pitching with nobody on than two on. Like that's the most basic statement right. in, in all of baseball and softball. I could see that being being an issue, but other than that, I I do think Hope International has a great shot. Uh, we are discrediting the defending champ, William and Jessup, a little bit. They'll be really good. But at the end of the day, I do agree with what you've said. I do think this is a three-team race that will produce one team in, to, to get to the opening round, maybe two. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you look at those top three right there, and, I mean, that's a great point, too. I wouldn't want to face Puente in an opening round either. I mean, if, imagine if they get in as a four-seed in an opening round and you're the one seed and you have to go up against – I mean, one of the best arms in the country. I mean, that that's postseason for you, but he, yeah. that's a tough draw. That's a tough four seed for sure. Yeah, I, 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 God, you can't put them at a four. You have to put that whoever the one is and has to face Allie. Oh my, no way! You'd have to put them at three. I mean, oh, the only other way was would be if you you have Mobile or Freed Hardman or maybe Southeastern as a four, and I'd be. We we have other storylines to talk about if, if either one of those three are a four seed in, in May. We we have other storylines we gotta talk yeah. about. But no, no doubt. Do you have anything else for the G Sac man or you want want to move on? Uh not not really, man. I mean, just Ali Puente, just remember the name. If you haven't heard it already, you better get to know it. Well let's we'll transition now into a conference. Where we're talking about one that might have three teams competing, could send one or two teams opening round. Taylor, I think if we sent, we're we're going to transition to the Cascade Conference. If there are less than three, yeah, if there even if there are three, I'd say less than four. We're, we're thinking about a little bit, but less than three, 
I'd be really shocked to see less than three Cascade teams be one of the last 40 teams in, in uh, the opening round play. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, it's as far as as far as one, two, three go. I mean, it's 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 arguably one of the best in the country, man. I mean, I think top like, end is top end. The Cascade is the best conference heading into twenty twenty three. Uh, you have four teams ranked in the top twenty. I mean, that that that's enough said. The only other team that's or the only other, in fact, now that I think about it, no, no other conference in Diamond Sports is doing that. Uh, the Sun Conference has four teams in baseball in the top twenty five, but Kaiser's at 24 or 25, I think. They're not top 20. So do, doing that, they're the only team in Diamond Sports, I believe, that that's doing it. Incredibly impressive. So, Taylor, let's start off with the team that did win the conference last year, did make a good run in Columbus. We'll start with the Owls, the Oregon Tech Owls. They finished off their season in Columbus, lost a thriller, 3-2 to two, uh, late inning, a two-run shot by Erica Stahl. Was, I'm not gonna lie, it was awesome. Uh, it was awesome that that game. But Oregon Tech did have a great year. They are losing their their main arm and Sarah Abraham. She ate up a ton of innings, 242 innings for them with a 1.81 ERA. So they do have uh, to replace that number one arm. Uh, they do ha- have some really good bats coming back. I think this will be the bat, mm, the second best lineup in this conference. Very very close to number one, who we'll talk about later. But even still, number two bat, number two lineup in this conference, I still think it will be a top ten to fifteen lineup, uh, if not better, in in the NAI. Uh, starting off, J.C. Severed sophomore last year as a freshman, she had twelve home runs, fifty RBIs, batted three twenty three, and slugged six forty six. They also returned a couple other girls over batting over three hundred, including uh, Michaela. I'm sorry, Kayla Mack. She had 22 extra base hits and a 381 average, and Maggie Bullock's 338 average. So they do have plenty of coming back. One of their uh, north of 300 that left, Kennedy Jansit, Jansy, Jansy, Kennedy Jansy. I can't talk. It's been a long day, man. Uh, she's no longer there. However, still, I do think this Oregon Tech team will be a. Uh, I think they'll be ranked for all of the year. I think they'll be in the, this top 10 to 15 range for all of the year. What do you expect from the Owls this year, man? A little bit of the same, honestly. I mean, with a program like that, and then, you know, obviously Eastern Oregon and, uh, excuse me, Southern Oregon, I mean, they're going to – there's no rebuild. There's – they reload. They – it's why they're consistently in Columbus or a game away from Columbus every single year. I mean, the Oregon Tech Owls, if if, if if they are not in Columbus, honestly, if like we said, I don't – I think two of teams out of the Cascade make it to Columbus – I'd be very shocked if it's just one, honestly. I mean, it's Oregon Tech's deep, Southern Oregon's deep, Eastern Oregon's deep, Corbin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But those three, man, or especially Oregon Tech, I mean, like you said, a lot of replace on the mound, but I think a program like that is very capable of it. Yeah, you alluded to so- Southern Oregon. We'll get into them in a, in a second. But, yeah, or- Oregon Tech is going to be extremely good uh, this year. And the only reason that they didn't send two or three teams were they were in very, very tough regionals. Their Southern Oregon lost in a tough opening round as well as College of Idaho last year. Uh, we'll get we'll on into Southern, Southern Oregon. They lost to Grandview in the opening round last year. Uh, I believe they did force the, the game, a game seven. So, but looking at this lineup, Taylor, this is the best lineup returning to the Cascade, and they might have the two of the best arms returning as well. 
we got to start with Riley Donovan. Started every game for Southern Oregon last year. 20 home runs, 89 RBIs, a 481 average. Woo! Oh, yeah, they have two more batting over 400. Kayla Williams batted 438. She's coming back. Sammy Pemberton, she will be back as well for them next year. Uh, Pemberton, not a power bat, but Williams, she did have eight home runs last year. Man, and, oh, if you want to you, you add on a little bit more to Riley Donovan, 51 walks last year. She, she, you could definitely make a case for her being uh, an early season NAI, NAI MVP candidate um, or a silver slugger candidate, or uh, she's definitely going to be an All-American this year. But they, they are great. Oh, oh, I forgot. They have another one bat, batting over 400. Lindsey Stripling, she will be coming back as well. In fact, the only they had five players batting over 400 last year. They're only losing one of them in Felicity Fadisha. Fadisha, I'm pretty sure I'm returning. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that completely wrong. But either way, she's not returning. But still, so much talent coming back for Southern Oregon. And then you, you look – look – in the circle, Kayla Williams, the Shohei Atani of NAI softball. She has a 438 average. She also has a 1.74 ERA. Went 16 and 4 for him in the circle. They're also bringing back Katie Machado, 2.26 ERA, 14 and 4 in the circle. This, we'll talk about the other teams, but Taylor, I think this is the most loaded team in the Cascade coming into the 2023 season. I mean, you mentioned it. You kind of just, uh, spat it off their entire lineup and pitching rotation there. I, mean, I try I try to stay away from stats, but when you have four girls coming back over 400 and then a high one and a low two ERA in the circle, you got to talk about it, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with numbers like that, I mean, and obviously it starts with Riley Donovan, right? I mean, right. I mentioned it uh, before we started recording here. I mean, you talking about Jocelyn Allo or you talking about Riley Donovan? I mean, which one is it? I mean, those, those numbers are absurd. Like, and I think the thing that gets overlooked with the the average and the homers and the RBIs is is the walks. I mean, yeah, like when they do pitch to her, she makes them pay, and most of the time they don't even pitch to her. Because why? Why would? But if if you don't pitch to her, you got to pitch to someone else that's hitting four hundred, like you said. So, hold on, I think I have her own base percentage somewhere. Yep, here we go. Uh, here we can go in. I got the extended stats here in front of me. How about only ten strikeouts all, all year, zero grounding, double plays, and a five ninety two on base percentage. That is incredible. Sixty percent of the time she's getting on base, Taylor. Sounds like Barry Bonds. Literally, I mean, <laughs> and if I'm if I'm the coach. Okay, Go against the number 10 team coming in in 2023 season. Look, I get there's four other girls or three or four other girls in this lineup that are going to be batting around 400 this year. I don't care. I'm not getting beat by Riley Donovan hitting one 300 feet into center field. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a great strategy. I mean, you can't let that <laughs> it, you always circle that one on the other team. You can't let that person beat you. And clearly, coaches have done that for Riley Donovan over the course of her <laughs> career. Yeah, it hasn't worked too well. <laughs> I mean, we are, I mean, Taylor, we aren't, we aren't pushing too far off. I mean, we could have a hundred RBI player. Yeah. And I don't, I'd have to look into the history of it. I, I don't know when the last time that's been done in the NAI, honestly, it's tough to do. It is. It's extremely hard to do. I mean, if they, I'm trying to think if they got to Columbus last year, 
could she have gotten and they if they go on a run i mean yeah she could have gotten 11 rbis and and if they would have gone on a run absolutely so i think this could be a case i think uh well we'll, we'll save that all that for later we have some other schools we'll, we'll get into but uh, let's move on let's talk about some of these other the the other the main two teams that, that i have right uh for this conference First off, you got College of Idaho. This is a team you obviously got to know a little bit, being a big USAO guy. They got knocked out by USAO in the opening round. We, uh, I like to chalk that one up as that's tough. You got that regional, bud. You know that that's all that is. Uh, Idaho had a great year last year. Haley Hopper, she's returning uh, with a four sixty four average. They also have some thump in the lineup returning with Haiti Haraz, 387 average, 10 home runs, 43 RBIs. The pitching is where I'm going to look at and be like, we have to have a little bit of improvement, but there is still uh, a lot of potential. And I would be very happy if I was a Yotes fan coming in with Caitlin Wilford and Hannah McNearney. Now they're both uh, around their uh, uh, Caitlin's a 2.1 ERA, Hannah a 2.7 ERA last year. That's good. My question is, can it compete with Oregon Tech? Can it compete with Kayla Williams over at Southern Oregon? And then with these bats, I think College of Idaho has some really good bats coming into this year. However, it's going to be it's going to be tough competing with some of the other ones. What about this College of Idaho team excites you this year, man? I uh, really, I mean, it's the bats, man. I mean, it you kind of have to. It's more of an unanswered question. I keep using that term over these episodes, but just more of the unanswered question in the circle for College of Idaho. But, I mean, you're when you're going up against talent like this in this conference every weekend, man, I mean, you're going to be battle-tested. And not only do you – I mean, it's a three-game series, and that only prepares you even more for postseason. So I think despite – like, obviously, say, say College of Idaho doesn't win their conference – and make still makes an at-large bid for an opening round. I mean, that's tough. That is a tough team to oust for sure. When you're playing teams like this, I keep saying it, man. Like it only makes you better. It, it's almost like the SEC football. Like yeah. it only it's only going to make you better come come playoff time, man. And College Idaho, I mean, like you said, that was a, like tough, tough opening round last year with USAO and Ottawa, and then obviously them in College Idaho. But, I mean, they they gave everyone a run for their money in that opening round. That is for sure. They played a lot of close ball games, And I just hope they can get a, a luckier draw next time, to be honest with you. Yeah, they're a team that definitely was a top 15 team last year. You know, it, yeah. it really did just come down to, okay, you faced the second best, second or third best team in, in the country. And mm-hmm. um, they were playing really great softball in the Rovers of USAO. And I think they'll be right back in that position this year. I think they will be one of the four teams, I believe, that will have an opening round bid from this conference. Uh, that That is my take. I do think four teams will be will go on uh, to be the last 40. Now, how far we get into Columbus, I'm trying to be more careful. We're trying to predict 10, 10 teams to go to Columbus just because we all know it with, with regionals, who knows, but – I, we were going to talk about th- that four team here now. And Taylor, this is a team that made a turnaround that you don't hear too much. Look, from year one to year two under Nicole uh, Christian over at Eastern Oregon, they went from a sub 500 team to a 43 and 17 team. Look, we've seen we, we've seen programs be 
built up quickly. We, we've seen it happen. We saw it at Weber. Uh, we, we're seeing it now with Weber baseball. I mean, just off the top of my mind, but uh, but yeah, what Coach Christian's doing over there, they have they were a product of a very hard regional as well, having to go play Oklahoma City. Now for Eastern Oregon, I wouldn't quite put them in that same uh, booklet as the College of Idaho, just because I don't think they were maybe one of those top, top teams last year. I mean, but if you go to the OKC regional, as as it showed, didn't matter who you were. Uh, now, if they would have gone to an easier regional, could it have happened? Maybe, but I don't know if I, I, I don't know last year if they were better than any of the 10 teams that were in Columbus, but I do think this year they will have that opportunity. They return. Uh, they're, they're a lot like College of Idaho, man. They return two of their best bats in Shelby Starr and Haley Ebner, and then they return their two pitchers that have uh, a mid to low two ERA in McKenna Stallings and Amanda Smith. Both of them won a lot, lot of games. Uh, Amanda Amanda Smith, WHIP, was .93, didn't walk uh, a lot of people at all last year. Uh, I think Eastern Oregon can absolutely compete with anybody in this in this uh in this conference and Taylor of these four teams and we've we've talked about it with other conferences we talked about it with like you know Grandview and uh Central Methodist like where's the separation how good are they Taylor there's not a team in the NAI that has a closer one to okay I will say four but also your one through four are elite nobody has that no, nobody in diamond sports in the NAI has that. And I'm including this, this Sun conference because I do think Southeastern is a step above, you know, your Weber St. Thomas right until they get knocked off the th- throne, but this is not NAI ball. We'll, we'll let them uh, handle all that and have those takes this one through four this year. I think all four of these teams are either as good as last year or better than last year. At least what, that, that, that's what I'm hoping, and that's what I, I do truly think. But trying to pick one of these four, I think it's incredibly difficult. I think they are all very similar teams. But at the end of the day, I do have to pick Southern Oregon, man. Uh, I do think they will win the Cascade Conference this year. They just have that next level, uh, as I like to say. They have – all of these teams have great players – players that are all Americans, players that are 100% first team all conference in the cascade. I don't know how, I don't see any of these other teams having a Kayla Williams or a Riley Donovan. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I don't see them having that. And you add in a, Sam, a Sammy Pemberton, a, a Lindsey uh, Stripling. stripling. Uh, I think it's tough. I mean, after that, I think College of Idaho is knocking right on their door. And same to Oregon Tech, same to Eastern Oregon. The margin between these two are razor thin. I mean, who do you have coming out of the cascade? I cannot talk. I, I, I cannot talk tonight, man. I don't know what it is. It's probably the snow throwing you off up here. Yeah, low pressure <laughs> system. But no, I mean, uh, it's this is probably so far the toughest conference to to pick. Honestly, I mean, like you said, one through four. You can make a case for every one of those teams, one through four. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's it's tough to go against you, though, with, with Southern Oregon. I mean, Riley Donovan's that difference maker, man. I mean, she – I mean, she's got to be one – if if not the – like, one of the most feared hitters in America. I mean, you're not pitching to her. 
like and when you do like you said it's going 300 feet and yeah. that like that that team man like southern oregon man they could do really special things this year i mean obviously they they're a good program and an elite program but they could take that next step this year with the returning talent that they have to me i don't I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stay Southern Oregon, man. I mean, any team with Riley Donovan on it, I really can't bet against. Honestly, I mean, that you're talking about the elite of the elite as far as hitting goes in the country, man. I mean, that's those numbers are insane. And like, I just keep going back to the walks. I mean, fit, you said 54 walks to 10 strikeouts. Uh, I think it was less than that. I think it was 51. Yeah, 51 walks. Jesus, that is. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Like that is. Those are some historic, historic numbers. And any team with Riley, I don't even on it. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to go against. So I hate to, I hate to go with you and your pick here, but I'm going to say Southern Oregon as well. Yeah. All right, Taylor. How many, how many teams in the Cascade are we going to see in Columbus? I know we say we're going to try to stay away from that, but forget it. How many teams we're going to see in there? Just not even thinking about who some of these teams could draw in an opening round, because obviously I don't. I don't. How about this? How about this? None of these teams draw OKC, Freed Hardman, or Southeastern. None, just, just throw those three out. They, 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 right, I'm going to leave in like CMU, Grandview. We'll, we'll leave those in, but take those th- those three out. And I guess you could throw th- put in – so the top four teams right now, add in USAO, they don't face one of the top four teams in the country. Can all of these teams make it? Without question, yes. Without question. I mean, like you said, they're going to play – you're playing a top-10 team almost every weekend. I mean, and then you go to an opening round, and you're going to see nationally ranked teams. But some yeah. of those teams may not be as good as the teams in your own conference. Yeah, and, you know, I said those four teams. If you are one of the four th- those four teams I mentioned and you ha- have a draw – with any of these four teams, I promise you this. If you think it's going to be a, a walk in the park, you're wrong. And if you draw Southern Oregon, I think Southern Oregon can be any of those four teams this year. Yeah, yeah, without question. I mean, I think me personally, I, I'm going to say Southern Oregon goes. I'm going to say Oregon Tech goes. And I'm going to say College Idaho also goes, though. I think I, I think three teams from this conference we will see in Columbus come May. Really? Wow. Okay, I'm not going to be quite as bold. I will say two. I think three is lofty. I think if you you only get to say a conference gets to make a World Series once, three teams in a conference get to make a World Series once, and I've I've already got mine that I'm putting in use, and I'm using it for baseball. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't think any any conference is sending three teams to Lewis in this or to Columbus this year. It's not that's not the case for Lewiston, but again, this is not NAI ball. We're not doing that. I think two teams go. I think Southern Oregon, they're in. I think they will go. And then I think it comes down to Oregon Tech or College of Idaho because one of those two teams will have to go play, most likely an OKC, a Southeastern, yada, yada, yada. Now, we did see, obviously, last year that Oregon Tech competed right up with Southeastern. Only lost to them three to two. Uh, I do think that Southeastern, that, that, that there's a little bit of difference there, but still we saw Oregon Tech can obviously compete and win in Columbus last year. Give me the Yotes, man. I, I think College of Idaho is going to have a serious chip on their shoulder, and I think they will uh, end up getting a better opening round regional than Oregon Tech, and that will be the difference. 
However, the same deal with Eastern Oregon, same deal with with Oregon Tech, though. If y'all if, you, if they get favorable favorable regionals, yeah, they have great great shots. So I'm gonna go Southern Oregon, and I'm gonna go with College of Idaho making it. Um, and then as far as how confident I am, I would say I'm as confident saying Southern Oregon will make it to Columbus as I have been with anybody else that I've mentioned. And then with College of Idaho, I would say I'd love to see them there. It wouldn't just – my jaw wouldn't be on the ground if they're not in Columbus this year. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement, honestly. I mean, I just keep – I keep making the same point over and over again, but, like, this conference is so deep. Like, it's so, so good. Like, for me personally, I mean, the best teams in our conference in baseball, I mean, you're looking at Oklahoma City's, USAO's, Texas Wesleyan's. And that's really the main three here in the Sooner for baseball. But, I mean, four, we just mentioned four teams that are nationally ranked coming into the preseason. And like we said, three top tens. So, like, that's – there are three teams on this list that I can confidently say if they ho- hoist the red banner, I wouldn't be surprised. And then another team in Eastern Oregon where if they won, I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't have picked them, but it's not crazy. Yeah, no question about yeah. it, man. Like, they're – like whoever, the- whoever doesn't get to host an opening round and has to go on the road will be battle-tested for sure. And like you said – if I'm Oklahoma City, USAO, Grandview, Central Methodist, the list goes on, I'd be pissed to face one of these teams in my opening round. That's for sure. Uh, I'll bring a take we just said about the GSAC into this one, but but change it up a little bit. I think it's huge to win your, win your tournament and be able to host a regional here, be just geography-based, because you are making – a you're probably going to make two of the – Two of the three teams are likely going to be traveling from either completely across the country or half half halfway across the country to come see you versus go, going out there. I mean, you look at a regional, it's definitely not crazy to say, okay, let's say Oregon Tech win, wins this year. You get one West Coast team, say maybe Hope International, but then you're probably going to bring in a, I mean, a Campbellsville and, you know, a Weber those two teams have got to travel thousands of miles. Yeah. And that's not an easy it, – it's easy – it's a lot easier to do that when it's when, when you're in Columbus versus when it's just an opening round. Yeah, no question. I'm glad I'm not a part of the uh, the logistical conversation uh, for any of those. That would be – that would take a lot of years off me, that's for sure. I mean, but like – I mean, we, have, we, saw, we saw College Idaho in Chickasha, Oklahoma, and then – Eastern Oregon and Oklahoma City last year. I mean, like I said, halfway across the country. I mean, that's tough. Dude, imagine you're an athletic director for say, we'll say Kaiser because they're they're down they're they're down pretty far 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 as them St. Thomas or any of those teams. Say you're that, and you get down like you know you're going going to be in. You know you're going to be in. And it comes down to the last two brackets, and the difference is either going to Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> or or Oregon. I don't or, or somewhere out in Oregon. Oh my gosh, dude! I would be losing my mind just praying they see they say Mobile, bro. Yeah, no, I mean it's. I never had to take a flight for a for a game or anything. I I fortunately had to take uh, long bus rides, but I would hope to God I am flying from Florida to Oregon. That is for sure. 
Absolutely. Hey, Taylor, do you have anything you, you want to add uh, about these two great conferences other than you're just so excited to cover them or are you ready to wrap it up, man? I'm just really like I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with the gems that we have found so far doing these preview episodes, especially out in the Northwest and the West Coast, because, I mean, you, we really don't get to you're on you're in the eastern time zone. I'm in the central time zone. So that's it's pretty much past our bedtimes when when you see highlights of those. So, I mean, just looking into it, it's, I'm not surprised, but I am sort of just the amount of talent, honestly, in the GSAC, both in obviously the cascade, but yeah, man, it's starting up and it's starting up here in about 10 days, man. So I'm ready for it. Just real quick off top here. This is something we need, we, we need, we, we should definitely do and do the last preview episode. You give me maybe a, a because I think we have conf- we've covered the heavy hitter conference. Like we've covered the top conferences. Can you give me a top three conferences in 2023 off the top of your head. You're, this isn't locked in. We can change this even a little bit into the season, maybe. But can you give me three conferences right now? Three's tough because you got the Cascade. I think Cascade's got to be one. I would say so too. To me, that number two and three kind of flip flops. Uh, as far as South Lake, the Sun and the Heart. You got the, you got the Sun. Don't forget about the Mid South. Yep. You got the Mid South. The Sooner. It's just so. It's just so top heavy. That's the only thing. It's yeah. really top heavy. I don't. I I think the Cascade. I won't say is an, a clear one. I'd put them one, but then once you get two through five, it's muddy waters. It's muddy, muddy waters. Yeah, no question. I mean, just in my head right there, I'm kind of thinking, like, I, do I want to make a case for the Sooner or do I think of other conferences as well? Because, I mean, when you got USA and Oklahoma City top two in your conference, I mean, that's tough. But like we said, the Cascade has four elite teams that could make a World Series run. Yeah. Same with I, the Heart and same with the Sun, too. Yeah, you, you know who I'm going to put, too, Um I, I I'll put the Sun Conference just because, the, yeah, I mean, the, I'm a Sun Conference guy, and I, and I do think the difference between two through four right there, you're splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're the. I, but honestly, now now all jokes aside, I do think this is the second best conference coming into the year. I think Coastal will be great, Weber will be great, and we've we've talked enough about enough about that team over in Lakeland. But th- between them and then the Mid-South, I don't think there's a difference because you have your elite team at the top. You have two teams that could make the World Series after that. And then you have another team who's maybe going to fall off. I mean, you can, I, I would definitely make an argument for that Mid-South at, at two over us. Not over us, but over the Sun Conference. And then then you have the Heart. You got the Heart of America Conference. I, I would probably put it at four. I'd probably put I'd probably put the sooner over the heart. I'd probably put sooner four and then heart five. So I guess I'd, I'd probably go heart five, sooner four, mid south three, sun two, cascade one entering the season. Yeah, that's pretty fair. That's about what I would say one through five. But like you said, that three through five there is really, really like just like you said, splitting hairs. It's a great, yeah, great I'm, metaphor because it's really it's true. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of good teams here, man. There are. I mean, there there are some, and then there are teams we haven't talked about yet too that could absolutely. You look at uh, independents, you know, like Georgia Gwinnett, 
uh we gotta figure out what we're doing with independence too we gotta have a whole episode for independent teams but uh but yeah i mean yeah like georgia Gwinnett as well they're going to be extremely good and it's gonna be fun i mean it just it, it i've got of course i've gotten excited for seasons before but i don't know man this just feels different baseball and softball and the nai in 2023 it just feels different this year dude yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Actually, another another little fact I saw today, uh, just going back to the Sooner. So Division One softball, Division Two softball, uh, Division One JUCO softball, and Division Two JUCO softball in Oklahoma, as well as the NAI, have two teams in the top five. We've never. I'm not, well. I'm not gonna say that. The only thing that I can think of off the top of my head of a region dominating a sport like that. We're not even talking about a region. We're talking about a state. I mean, you have the the radius of 16 of the last 17 national champions have come to, out of the SEC and ACC from, you know, Tallahassee to Clemson and then Clemson to New Orleans and that little grid 16 of the last 17 division one national champs have come out of that region. Uh, but I've never seen a state dominate the way the the way Oklahoma softball is dominating the sport is right now. A lot you guys yeah. made more regional sports like hockey up north, but you know, for your major sports that are national brands, it's insane. I mean it, it, it that 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 that's an insane stat. Yeah, it's it's nuts, dude. Like, I mean, OU obviously is one, o- Oklahoma State's three, uh Murray State, Division two JUCO is fourth Seminole State Division One JUCO is always in the national tournament, and quite frankly, has sent a lot of good talent to Oklahoma, USAO, Oklahoma City, Southeast. I mean, list goes on and on and on. It just produces talent. But I mean, back back to the Cascade, man. I am so excited to see. I'm. I will definitely be be we staying up past that time to watch some Cascade softball. That's for sure. I was just about to say, we got to get us some Red Bull sponsorships, man. I've been, I, I, I've been trying to get Red Bull to become a sponsor of Suncast forever. I don't think we're quite up in their uh, tax bracket yet, but <laughs> uh, dude, we need, we're going to need some Red Bull because I wasn't planning on covering uh, the West coast. All that. Like, of course I was going to keep up with it and cover it, but I wasn't going to stay up and watch a ton of games. And then I did my Cascade conference preview. Yeah, circle the, you got to circle the dates, man. The, the Southern Oregon, College of Idaho, Eastern Oregon, Oregon Tech matchups. Those are like on any given on on a given weekend, those are probably the best matchups in conference in all of America. Whenever those four teams match up, yeah, I mean, I think outside of USAO, OKC, those are the premier matchups coming into this mm-hmm. year. No question. All right, Taylor. Uh, that's all I got. That's all the energy I got. I'm, I'm exhausted, man. You got anything else, or are you ready to wrap this one up? Good to go. Ten days. We're counting them down. Ten days. Hey, I'm going to leave you with this because I, I want you to feel my excitement. In 72 hours, I will be putting the headset on for opening day of Weber International University baseball against Warner. Crosstown rival opening day, year two in the booth, baby. I'm ready to rock. For those who, for those of you who don't know, I love podcasting. I love social media. Broadcasting's my 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 main thing, my wheelhouse, and baseball broadcasting is the uh, the the quite literally the center logo on the on the rim of the wheelhouse. Man, it is 
it, it's my stuff. I'm excited. That and, and softball, of course, uh, I'll be back on the call for Weber baseball, Weber softball. 